So we are beginning to consider our need. So just in review, the first head of doctrine focused on God the Father and his love from all eternity, his choosing to love from all eternity whom he will. Secondly, the second head of doctrine focused on Christ and in particular Christ's death and man's redemption accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. And now we come into the third and fourth head of doctrine, the state of mankind, or you could say our need, and the application of redemption by the Holy Spirit. So the first article had to do with God the Father, the second God the Son, and now we're focusing, uh, this head three, four, and five will be focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit. And so notice article one. Notice that uh, in order to understand the depth of man's fall, we have to realize the height from which he had fallen. This was uh, uh, one author wrote, Reverend Fenstra. In order to understand how bad our situation is, we first have to understand how good it was for Adam and Eve. Would you say that Adam and Eve were rich? Did they have everything that was needed? Did they have more than everything that was needed? Did they live in a beautiful place where it was secure, protected, food was abundant, the labor was fun and glorious, right? Taking care of the garden. No thorns, no thistles, no, no pain, no sorrow, no death, no sin. It says that they, uh, uh, Paul says, we're restored to righteousness and true holiness. That's what they had. They were truly holy. They were truly happy. They had everything. God bestowed upon them. His evaluation was that it was exceedingly good. So we have to understand. And, and as we think about it, what was the greatest blessing? God came into the midst of the garden to fellowship. There was nothing hindering that relationship. Notice what it says. Created in the image of God. Is there anything else in creation created in the image of God? Is there dolphins? Are they created in the image of God? They're pretty intelligent creatures from what I hear, but they're not created in the image of God. Nothing compares to mankind. It says his understanding was adorned with a true and saving knowledge of his creator and of spiritual things. His heart and his will was upright, his affections pure, and the whole man was holy, set apart for God. Isn't that wonderful? Is it good to stop and think about that? What was it like to be Adam and Eve in the garden? I think sometimes we need to stop and think about that. The amazing thing is through Christ, we're going to experience something even greater than what Adam and Eve some in some aspects already, in some aspects not yet. God equipped him with mind, will, affection to accomplish his will and to enjoy God and his creation. We stop and we think about things like, do you ever thank God for your taste buds? No, that does, it's just there, right? They work or they don't. But do you ever realize Did God have to give us taste buds? Did he have to make food tasty in order to accomplish what we need? No, he did it because he loves us. How about the ability to see? 
Are there people in this world that can't see? And the answer is yes. They, they can still function in this world. But are they lacking something? And the answer is yes. God gave us the ability to see, to be able to think, and so on and so forth. God has equipped us. And Adam and Eve, they were created in righteousness and true holiness with glory and honor. So we need to stop and take a moment to think about that. Because, secondly, have you ever contemplated the greatness of the fall of Adam and those he represented? One author writes, in Adam's corruption, we are all corrupt. In Adam's guilt, we are all guilty before God. Uh, what, he bases that statement on Paul's words there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. As for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So as a sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One man's disobedience made uh, we were made sinners. It's a hard statement to make, isn't it? In Adam, we are sin and we do sin. In Adam, born sinners, we are sin. When God evaluates the thoughts of the intent of the heart of man, what does he say? They're only evil all the day or all the time. Again, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Psalm 14, verse 3, is what Paul quotes in Romans chapter 3 when he says there's none righteous, no, not one. Stop and think about it. Do you have to teach a child to sin? Do you have to teach a child to sin? Or does it come naturally? The child is self-centered from beginning. Part of sanctification is learning not to be self-centered, isn't it? Maturity is living for others, looking outside of yourself. The natural man is self-centered. Do you have that problem? Do you... Can you honestly say, I, do n- I am not self-centered? I don't watch out for number one. Can you? Anybody? Anybody want to raise their hand? Okay. Oh, we laugh, but isn't it serious? We fall back into that. Maturity, is, I think partially, is learning to look outside of yourself, caring about someone else rather than yourself. I think that's something that we're training our children and training ourselves, that's what the work of the Spirit is to do so. No, you don't have to teach them to be rebellious, stubborn, or self-centered. It comes natural. It is only by the grace of God through the work of the Spirit that he changes us from self-centered to God-centered to other-centered. Praise be to God for that. 